0: If you have your Bible, if you would turn to the book of Romans chapter 5 with me, verse 1. We'll begin reading there. Would you stand with me, please, as we prepare to read God's word? As we do that, our children are dismissed to their classes. Romans chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 1. I'm just giving them a moment in the back, I know you all are already there, you're ready to read, you're ready to say so, I know, I feel <laughs> it, anticipation, you're like, so? Yes, just want to wait, you know, so we can have some reverence, right? Romans chapter 5, verse 1, when you got it, say, "So." so. And it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone may even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father, we bless you today, and as we sang thank you, Lord God, this is why we were saying I thank God. This is is the the reason for our praise this morning, Lord. This is the reason why we got up early, Lord, today, even, even after staying up late last night, God, to say thank you, Lord God, to say thank you for what you have done, to say thank you for what you are doing in us because of what you did on the cross for us. God, we thank you today. This morning, Lord, as we are here in this place, Lord God, and and online, I pray that your spirit would speak to us, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church, Lord God, that, that these words on this first day of this new year would propel us through the remaining days of this year, God. That, that we would be able to come back to the word of the Lord that we heard today, that we read today, and that in, in difficult moments, in, in tribulation, Lord God, in the, in the persevering moments, Lord God, in the character-building moments, that we would be able to come back and remember why. Why we continue. Oh, we want to do this all, and we want to live for your glory, God. And so we pray all of these things in Jesus' strong name, and everyone said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for being with us this morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord to worship the King of Kings and so as we saw in the video, uh, you know, it's, it's a new year, and so I don't, know, I don't know about you. I don't know if you, you know, set goals or resolutions or anything like that. But as I, as I thought about it and I prayed about this, this year, uh, and just as I was seeking the Lord and praying, okay, God, where do you want us to go in the new year? Around Thanksgiving time, there was this word that just jumped up in my spirit one morning when I woke up. And it was, you know, the beauty of, of waking up in the morning is everything is silent. Right, The noise hasn't started yet, and in that stillness, I heard the word engage, and I was like, oh, okay, engage, and so I want to speak for the next few weeks a a sermon series called Engage with God, and so we're going to engage with him, and we're we're seeking him for his will and his wisdom, but as I thought about that, and I had a sermon that I was going to preach, and then uh, as, as I prayed, I thought about before I jumped into the what of engage, I wanted to talk about why. Not just, not just what, right, because New Year's, right, we all we think about what? You know, well, I'm going to do what, you know, and, and you have your list. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. I'm going to read, you know, hopefully, you know, you're going to join us for the two-year Bible reading that we're going to start doing here um, tomorrow. I think that it's going to be a, a really good time that we'll be able to share together and join in and, and and dive into that. Some of you have already joined in on that, and so I encourage you, if you haven't, um, get on Realm and hit, um, click the link, and you can join that. But But thinking about not just the what, but the why, because in every Thing that we do, the why is what's going to keep us moving. Amen. The why. Why is it that we want to do whatever the goal is? You want to lose weight, gain weight. You want to, you know, do whatever. You want to be married. Well, whatever it is, when we do premarital counseling, we ask the question, Why? Why do you want to be married? Why, Like, like what, what is the reason that you want to be married? We got, we got to think about the why because that's going to keep us moving forward. So, again, thinking about the why. Now, you don't have an outline there, so you can't read this along with me, but here's what I want you to realize. Thinking about this word love, love is a universal language. It is a universal longing, and it is an eternal reality for everyone who will spend eternity with God. Think about that. It is something that we long for. Now, there's a lot of things that motivate us. You know, hate can motivate you, right? Anger can motivate you, right? Bitterness can motivate you. Guilt can motivate you. Fear can motivate you. But, you know, all of those things seem to have like a a certain shelf life, right? But love is something else. Love, especially the love of God, that can motivate us, that can move us. But we have to realize this. As we read the scriptures, we should find the theme of love woven into the tapestry of all of the scripture. So from creation, we see God's love as we continue on through the scriptures, even in the fall we have an immediate thing that happens God speaks a promise why because God loves us we see not just the promise but we see the fulfillment we just finished celebrating Christmas right and we all talk about the reason for Christmas and what we're celebrating is the the birth of Christ and what is that that is the fulfillment of of God's promise that was made at the fall to his creation. And so what we see throughout the scriptures is this love, this, this, this love being woven into the tapestry of everything that we know. And in the culmination, God is going to bring everything to fulfillment simply because he loves us. He loves us. You and I, we are called the image bearers of God. We are the imago Dei. We are the image of God. We are, the, we are the ones who were created in the image of God. You know what that means? That means that we are supposed to not just be recipients of love. We're not just people who want love, but we are supposed to be vessels and conduits of love. Right? We, 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 we were created in his image not just to want to be loved, want to experience love, but we were made in his image so we could be conduits, so the love of God could flow through us. And so I want you to think about this this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, but here is what I want you to think about. In gospel hope, which is what we find in the passage here, we find the greatest love, which should become our why in life. In gospel hope, we find the greatest love which should become our why in life, not just for 2023, but for every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, the motivation for us, the way that we live, the way that we move, the things that we do, the things that we don't do, the things that we align with, the things that we disalign with, it should all be rooted in and come back to the love that we have found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. As 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 we sing the words of that song, this and, and, and the words, this wayward son has found his way home. Praise the name of the Lord. That, that that wayward sons and daughters found their way home because the Father called them. I love that. The Father brought us home, and so we are, are encouraged by that. And so the first thing I wanna I want you to repeat after me is this: say, love justifies us. Love justifies us. So when we think about this gospel of hope that we have, this gospel hope that we have, we see in verses 1 and 2, I'll read that again. Therefore, having been justified... Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Love justifies us. The gospel of hope proclaims to every person on the planet that you can be made right with God because what? Because God loves his creation, period. Last week, and if you weren't here for that service or you didn't hear, um, see it online. You could go back and you can check it out. But I preached a, a short sermon, right? For me, it was short. It was like 25 minutes, I think. Hallelujah. It was. It, it was. I was supposed to be 10 minutes, but they all knew better. I, anyway, um, yeah. Hector. Hector had hoped that it was only going to be 10 or 15, but anyway, you know, I took the full time that I had, and so 25. And and I spoke just just specifically from John 3:16, 17, 18, 19, and and really dove into that text there, and what what that scripture really means, as it really shows us the full breadth of what Christmas is about. But nonetheless, what do these scriptures tell us? These scriptures teach us that God justifies us. It proclaims to us that we can be made right with God. That's what justification is, right? justification is you and I are wrong before God the gospel shows us that Jesus had to come and die because the relationship between God and his creation was broken because of sin it continues on that way but God does something great he intervenes he intercedes he comes dies rises again in our place so he can do what so he can justify us so he can make us stand right before God that's what he does for us. He offers us this, and that is what the gospel proclaims. My friends, when we are talking about the love of God, when we are talking about the love that God shows us, we have a message that brings hope to the world. Hello. Amen. We have a message that brings hope to a dying world, a world that needs real, real hope, and this hope is that we find justification. We know this also that we are, he says this, therefore having been justified by faith not by good deeds, not, not because you're so cute. I mean, you're cute, hallelujah. You know, you got your Sunday best on, right? You're looking, looking good, smelling good, I hope. I, I can't smell you from here, but anyway, for your neighbor's sake, right? But 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 it's not because of any of that, right? That he that he justifies us, he justifies us by faith. If you if you read the text here, you go back into the book of Romans chapter 4, he's talking about Abraham and Abraham's faith in God. And then he's bringing home this this further point. Listen, the book of Romans, if you never read it, I encourage you in this year read the book of Romans. Read through it. Read it slowly. Meditate on it, especially like the first 11 chapters, right? Because chapter 12, 13, 14 and on, those are going to tell you what you need to do in response to what God did. And, and, and so in this place where Abraham is our, the father of the faith, he's the father of our faith. He's the one who demonstrates faith in God. God calls him out of Mesopotamia where he was, calls him to go to a place where he doesn't know. He goes to a place where he doesn't know. The guy is given a promise that he's going to have a child with his wife, his wife. They're both old. Hello. Hello. And he still believes, despite the fact that it seemed impossible, he still believes. And God gives us, gives us this example of what faith should be in God. And so it is by faith that we are justified, not our good deeds, not because of things that we have done, not because of the things we're doing right. It is because, simply because we have put faith in the one who died and rose again. Because we believe we have been justified by faith through Jesus' finished work on the cross, God makes peace with us. Again, I want you to understand this. Keep this in mind. This is rooted in his love. He makes peace with us. He's not asking us to keep the peace with him. Hello. He makes peace with us. We are the ones who deserve his wrath. We deserve his judgment, and yet he comes, dies, rises again. For what? So he can make peace, so he can break down that middle wall of separation, he, so he can destroy the barrier of sin. He says, Sunday, I want to make a relationship with you. I want to make peace with you. I, I, it's not a feeling. He doesn't want to give you a feeling. He wants to give you a reality. Now, now the reality overflows into a feeling, a, a sentiment, something that is eternal, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. But, but here's the thing. You are not the author or keeper of that peace. He is. He is the one who keeps the peace with you and makes peace. And then finally, he says this in the text here. He says, through whom also we have access through by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand not in our own strength, right? We stand in the grace of God, and he says, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So first of all, we realize that we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God, and then our response is what? That we rejoice in hope. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What what does that mean? The glory that we will share with God for all of eternity. This is gospel hope. Now, here's the thing that I, I want you to understand about hope. And as we came out of our series, our Advent series, and we were focusing in on the hope that we have in Christ, the one thing that I want you to realize is that biblical hope is not this mamby-pamby, well, I hope so. Understand that. When, when, you, know, when, when, you, when, when you and I think, well, you know, I hope that they do this, I hope, you know, this morning I was like, I hope they show up, Hello. <laughs> I hope there's somebody here for me to preach to, right? I'm like, all right, well, we we've, we've done the cameras before, glory to God. I was I was happy when I saw Lou. I was like, well, I got a cameraman, glory to God, and a mic. We're going to be good. Amen. 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 But 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 that's that that's not biblical hope. Biblical you 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 got to get this when you're thinking about. See, this is why our hope is different. Biblical hope is this. It is no uncertainty. There is no uncertainty in the hope that we have. It is a certainty not yet realized biblical hope when we talk about the hope that we have in christ it is not something that we are unsure of there is no uncertainty in hope i was thinking about this as i as i was preparing and i was thinking man what's the difference between between faith and hope and obviously there's a difference right because hope is about future right faith is about today i get that but it's kind of like hope and faith are like these these twins hello right you know and, and have you ever you 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 and you guys know twins right like you know that they they're identical twins anybody anybody know identical twins right mm-hmm. now if you if you're close with them you can you you know the difference you can see them there there's 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 slight differences they're they're, they're identical but not identical right and 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 when you when you know them you know they you see okay this one's nose is a little different or this one's you know their cheeks a little different you know there, there's things that you begin to distinguish right i was one one of, one of my pastor friends he was he has he has grandkids and they're and their twins and he's like they come running to me and i wouldn't know which one was which it took me years to figure this out hello <laughs> he, he was always getting their names wrong but eventually he says but then as as they grew a little bit more i started to notice oh these are the are the little differences that make me know that this is this one this is that one and see it's the same thing for me when I look at faith and hope. They're, they're, they're in God. They're trusting in him. They're believing in him. One of them is in the present, right, the present tense. My faith in God, my faith where I'm justified by him now. And yet that faith also comes along with this hope in a future. Be, and, and, and the reason why I, I have this hope, we're going to get to this in a moment, but I have this hope because of the love of God. I want to look at that in a moment here. But again, I want you to realize we rejoice we rejoice, we rejoice. Remember when 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 Minister Jonathan was preaching and he was talking about joy? And remember, and remember the definition of joy as we looked at the definitions. There's there's this this saying that goes along, this idiom, right? It, it's what makes your soul dance. Right? And for some of you that like music, and even if you don't like music, you know, too much, there's there certain tunes that come on, there's certain rhythms that hit you and be like, oh, I got you feel like you gotta move. You heard it. Hello. It ju- it just moves you right, like like you hear it's, it. It just makes you want to dance, right? So some songs just just move you there. You know, um, I, I'm a hip hop guy, right? And so there's certain songs that if if a beat drops right, I'm like, hmm. Some comes out of me, right? I'm like, mm. and I'm like, hold on, hold on. I got. I'm like, let me get holy from all right. But but you know, <laughs> oh man, but again it's but but there's i grew up with that right so 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 this stuff makes me want to dance a certain way makes me want to move a certain way right and it's it's the same thing here right we rejoice the the truth of the gospel is a song that should be continuously making us move with joy not you're not always going to be happy but you rejoice In this hope of the glory of God. There's joy in that because you know, and as Pastor Aldo alluded to earlier, our circumstances are temporary. Our God doesn't change. No no, no matter what today looks like, there is a day that is coming. No matter how much pain you woke up with today. Come on now. No matter how many tears were in your heart, no matter how many tears you might have cried on the way here, or even, you know, the, the, the sorrow that's going No, no matter what, there is coming a day when he will wipe every tear away. There is coming a day where there is no more heartache. There is coming a day where there is no more heartbreak. There is coming a day where there is no more pain, no more doubt, no more sorrow. There is coming, and you know why we know that? Because of the one who rose again that's why we know this. And so we look forward with hope that that is sure. There there is certainty in the hope that we have. And again, we rejoice. We have this soul dance. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, love must flood us. Love must flood us, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, In other words, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God that is future, but listen to what the Apostle Paul says. And not only that, but we also glory, we rejoice. That's another word there. Glory, rejoice can be changed there. We glory, we rejoice in what? Tribulation. Hold on a second. You don't want tribulation, do you? And yet, and, and yet the Apostle Paul, in his, in his moment of encouragement and talking about what we, what we rejoice in, he says, hey, we don't just rejoice in the glory that is to come. We actually rejoice, we glory in the tribulations that are here now. Hmm. First day in 2023, and I'm encouraging you with tribulation is coming. Hmm. I mean, the fact is we are promised tribulation, are we not? Those who desire to be godly, they're they're going to experience tribulation. We're going to experience tribulation in this life. We are going to experience hardship. And because of what Christ has done, we are able to rejoice in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Another word is patience. I know y'all don't want to be patient. January 1, 2023, tribulation and patience coming your way. Hello. (laughs) Overnight delivery, amen? And perseverance produces character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, just as the melody of sorrow is seeking to make us dance, so the enemy desires our lives to be filled with despair, with fear, with hate, with unforgiveness. Above all, listen to this with a cynicism in regards to God's love and care for us, especially in the face of tribulation. Are you here? See the enemy. What what the enemy wants is this. He wants a cynicism in our hearts regarding the love and care of God, especially in the face of tribulation. See, because it's easy to smile when everything is good. It's easy to sing, "I thank God," and you. I mean, you're, you're all up in it, right? I mean, everything is good. But you walk up in here and everything ain't good. You ain't clapping. You like, what is wrong with these people? I thank God. Thank God for what? Uh Uh-huh. Let me tell you what. Thank him for tribulation. Thank him for tribulation. What is is tribulation? Tribulation is, is pressure, hear me now, directly associated with our commitment to the Lord. That's what tribulation is. It is pressure that is directly associated with our commitment to the Lord. So tribulation, listen, you, 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 you can have tribulation in, in your marriage just because you have decided you are going to be a godly husband. You've decided you're going to be a godly wife. You can have tribulation at work just because you decided, I am going to be a godly employee, hallelujah. You can have tribulation in your neighborhood just because you decided you are going to be a godly neighbor, you feel the pressure, you know, to, to, to act ways that are not godly, and, then, and, and, and people may look at you or treat you a certain way because of your commitment to Christ, and you feel this pressure, but, but here's what happens. What happens is God, in, in, the, in this text here, we can rejoice in tribulation. Why do we rejoice? We rejoice because we know that tribulation is working something else in us. We know that God is using the hardship, using the pressure, using the difficulty in order to mold us to be more like him. And you know what God is filled with? Patience. Hallelujah. Something that we are all filled with as well, right? We just walk around with like buckets of patience in our lives. We're patient with our kids. We're patient with our spouse. We're patient with our neighbor. We're patient with the people driving on the road. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, we're just we're just we're just patient people, you know. We just we just walk around, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I'm waiting on the Lord; it's all good. I, you know, <laughs> that is surely not the heart of of, of any of us, right? Like like I, I, look, I can't talk about you because I don't you know I don't I don't know you like intimately like that. I know me, and I know that 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 there are moments, right? I was was telling the the guys, I was was sharing with them in a a text, I said, hey, um, you know, I I think you should pray about, you know, what character trait it is that you want to grow in in 2023. That's something that I try to do every year. And so toward the end of the year, the guys were going through a study, Be a Godly Man. And as we were going through the study, Be a Godly Man, we came to the last study, and the last study was about, um, uh, about loving God, and it was about love. And I was like, praise the Lord. And so as the pastor who's teaching this, as he was talking about love, he was saying that as he was looking at 1 Corinthians 13, he started to, you know, question, man, am I loving? And so then he goes to his wife, as any wise husband would, and says, babe, do you think I'm a loving man? And she's like, well, sure, why would you ask that? And he's like, well... You know, because I'm reading through this list in 1 Corinthians 13, and I, and I, I want to see if, and he, she's like, well, go ahead, you know, go through the list. And he's like, well, love is patient. Love is kind. And she's like, well, continue on in the list. <laughs> As any good godly wife would answer, right? <laughs> and, 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 and me, you know, I went back to Elaine, and I was like, babe, I said, check this out. And I, I didn't do the whole thing. I just, I just threw myself under the bus because I know better, right? <laughs> I had no hope, <laughs> Hello. (laughs) That there was gonna be, yeah, babe, you're just so patient and so kind all the time. And 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 so for me, like I'm I'm gonna work through growing in love. Right? I I wanna I wanna grow in 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 the love of God. I wanna grow in character. I wanna be that person who is developing in that area, but I realize this patience doesn't come by itself, (laughs) y'all. Love is patient (laughs) because it's been through tribulation. Hello. It's been through hardship. It's been through difficulty, right? And so love, it it produces patience. Produces patience. It produces this perseverance of of, of our person and living the way that God wants us to live. And then it produces this other thing called character, character, character. Proven, I, I like this, it's proven character. Not just character, it's proven character. Because everybody can say, yeah, you know, I'm loving, I'm, I'm, I'm peaceful, I'm joyful. But wait a second, your character's got to be tested. Character has to be tested. And as you go through tribulation, as you go through difficulty, as you're walking in patience, that's when this proven character comes out on the other side. And, you know, and, and here, here, here's what I want you to realize. I don't want you to feel so you know, super condemned right now, right? Because it can feel heavy like, man... I got to grow in all these areas. This is difficult. This is hard. It is difficult and hard to do it all by yourself. But it, it is, what did he say earlier in chapter, in verse 2? In this grace in which we stand. You know what, you know what enables us to, to, to rejoice in the tribulation, to rejoice in the producing of patience, to rejoice in the development of character, to move in that place where I still have hope? It is because of the grace of God. It is the grace of God that empowers us. It is being in the Lord's presence that enables us to develop and grow in these areas. So here's the thing. The only way that you and I can glory or rejoice in tribulation is if our hearts, I said love must flood our hearts, right? It's if our hearts are flooded with something greater than the circumstances. And we must, and, and we must have an assurance that is a constant, that is greater than anything that we, faith in th- that we face. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, you can write this down: the Book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter seven, verse thirty-seven to verse thirty-nine. Jesus is in, the, in, in, in a feast of tabernacles, and as he's in the feast of tabernacles on the eighth day of the feast, he comes out, and that's where he tells anyone, if anyone is thirsty, they can come unto me, they can drink, and out of their bellies going to flow these rivers of, of, of living water. And then it goes on to say that he was speaking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Because Jesus hadn't been crucified, died, and rose again, because that hadn't happened yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't been given, so they weren't filled with this. But guess what? We are on this side of the cross, this side of the grave. Hello. And so now, you and I have access to this. And so, uh, uh, Pastor Rod, as he was preaching, he mentioned this verse. He said, what if we believed God's word? That's what he said to y'all. I don't know if you were listening. I was listening. Hello. What if we believed God's word? Look what it says. Now, hope does not disappoint. In other words, hope doesn't make us ashamed. You know, remember what I said earlier? You know, I I hope they showed up, right? Like, Like there's times that you hope for things and it doesn't happen and you feel pretty terrible. You feel shameful. You had hope that something was going to work out a certain way, and it didn't. It's embarrassing. It's frustrating. It's No, but but the hope of that, that we have in God, it does not disappoint. Because what? Because the love of God has been poured out. Now, what I want you to know is that this is not just a once and done. This is an ongoing thing that has to be happening. And this is what that word literally means. It means has poured in and still floods our hearts. Are you here? It is not just one day we came and we met Jesus, we encountered him, you know, we we had this wonderful moment. That may be the beginning of when this all started. But if you are not continually experiencing the love of God being poured into your heart, you're not glorying in tribulation. You're not. You I'm not. When, 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 when the love of God is not flooding my life, when the love of God is not overflowing my heart, that constant flow, that constant move of God in my life, if that's not happening, guess what? I'm not, I'm not rejoicing in tribulation. I'm questioning, why me? I'm, I'm saying, where's God? That's, I'm think, think about it now. Let's just be honest, right? When we go through tribulation, we go through hardship, and the love of God is not flooding our hearts. What starts flooding our hearts? Doubt? Discouragement? Complain now now, 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 Let me ask you a question real quick, and this is this this is not a trick question. But it, is it okay to complain to God? Is, is it okay to be upset with 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 what is going on in your circumstances? I mean, read the Psalms if you don't if you don't know the answer to that question, right? Like the Psalm, David was like schizophrenic sometimes, right? Like one moment he's like, you know, why why is this happening? Why is this going? And he's I'm surrounded by the and then all of a sudden, yet I will praise him. Hallelujah. He looked like some folks on Facebook, right? Like you're reading all their stuff, all of a sudden they pray. I'm like, amen, praise the Lord. There's so much have got right in a moment. I don't know. But anyway, anyway, I'm not telling you to do that kind of stuff, right? What, th- that's between you and the Lord. But, but here's what I'm saying, right? Like, like we, we can have these moments that we are with him, but you know, but, but this is why, you want to know what happened with David in those moments? The love of God began to flood his heart. Hear me. As he was talking with God, as he was wrestling with God, as he was dealing with the frustration or whatever it is that was going on in his heart, all of a sudden there was a reciprocation that came from the Lord where the Spirit of God begins to fill him with peace, fill him with joy. This is what is occurring in relationship with God. And so here's my encouragement now don't just complain to people, talk to God. As a matter of fact, I would challenge you. This, this is a big challenge. This may, 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 this may be your New Year's resolution. Hallelujah. Talk to God. Talk to God way before you talk to anybody else. Spend, spend some consistent time. I mean, I mean, some time in the presence of God talking to him about whatever the circumstance, situation, person, whatever. Spend some time talking to God about that before you start talking to that situation or anybody else. Because, again, I can only talk about me. I can't talk about you. But I know this. When I get upset about something, I love to talk about it. Hello. <laughs> and, I, and I'm looking for someone to agree with me and say amen, amen. You're right. Yeah, you, are, you are 100% correct. How could they? How could that happen? Hello. You know how it is. Because you do it too. Come on now. all do it, right? We're all looking for someone to agree with us, to amen us, to to say, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, man. That person's messing. That situation's bad. You're looking for that person. But hey, you know who has the best perspective on all of us? The creator. And so we should spend some time in his presence talking to him so we can get his perspective and get to the point that I don't even need to complain about anything to anyone else, now, now let, me, let, me, let me qualify this and I move on to my next point. As you do this, this doesn't mean you don't deal with people. But this means you deal with the people. Not deal with the other people about the person. Not deal with other people about the situation. No, no, no. You, you, you deal with situations and people. You have conversations and relationships. But I don't need to go and talk to, you know, uh, somebody else about somebody else. or, so, or this is, No, no, I can talk to the Lord about that and then I can know how to address the situation. All right, let's move on to point three. (laughs) Say this with me. Say, love Love has has rescued us. Love has rescued us. Look at verse six. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely... For a, righteous person, for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. For when we were still without strength. You know, you know, you know what this, this reminds us? The gospel of hope reveals to us, makes it clear that we are incapable of saving ourselves. When we were without strength. In our own ability, we cannot do enough good things in order to appease God, in order to make ourselves right before the throne of God. We are all worthy of God's judgment. And yet, in due time, in the appointed time, Christ died for us. What does that mean? He died in our place. He died. And he said, I love this, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. For scarcely would someone die for a righteous man. What is a, a righteous person is a person who is very pious and they're doing everything they need to do before. Well, I don't really need to die for that person, right? Like, why, why, why would I die? I, may, I, I might die for somebody like that. A good person goes beyond just doing things that are right between him and God. A good person goes and does things that is good for other people. Now, you see a good person like, man, I, you know... I could die for that person, right? You know, that, that person's worth sacrificing for in some way. That's what the text is trying to communicate. Paul is saying, hey, for a righteous person, uh, pro- people are probably not gonna die. For, for a good person, maybe someone will die. I was in a conversation with my brothers at Forge. And for those of you that don't know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, there's a men's ministry called Forge. And for these are for all the men. If you can't make it to one of our times that we gather together, I encourage you to be present. Two, seven o'clock in the morning on Tuesday here in Winter Springs, and then seven o'clock in the morning in Longwood. My brother L is in the back. He can let you know where Longwood is. Uh, he'll help you out there. He goes there. He's one of the table leaders there. But the truth is we were sitting down, we were having a conversation afterwards. I don't remember what the, the topic was on, but we ended up getting into the topic of the love of God. And I asked the guys a question. I said, how do we know the love of God? I want you to think about that for a moment. How do you know the love of God? How can you prove the love of God? How can you show somebody this is how you know God loves you? How can you do it? And so we went around, we talked about it for a moment, and I said, I want you to come and look at this scripture here. So this is the answer to the question. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How do we know the love of God? How can we prove the love of God? Listen, this is the verse right here. You want to know that God lo- you want to know where God shows his love in the greatest demonstration. It is here where God doesn't, listen, Jesus doesn't die for righteous people. He doesn't die for good people. He doesn't die for deserving people. He dies for those who hate him. He dies for his enemies. He dies for those who are sinners, who are lawbreakers. He dies for those who don't want to honor God in their lives, who don't want to honor God in anything that they do. They want to live for themselves, for their own glory, for their own happiness, for their own satisfaction. And in this, God demonstrates his love, that while we were in that condition, Christ dies for us. The one who is absolutely undeserving dies for those who are absolutely deserving. The one who is is godly dies for the ungodly. Here's what should happen to us when we talk about something flooding our hearts. This revelation should be flooding our souls more than any other idea, more than any other feeling, and more than any other doubt. It should be this, that no matter what I'm feeling, I know God loves me. I know God loves me. Listen, nowhere does the Bible say that you're going to get saved and God is going to give you every single thing that you want. It doesn't say that. You can't measure God's love by all the things you have or the things you don't have. That's not it. We measure God's love by the thing that he gave. We measure God's love by what the word of God teaches us, and it is that God demonstrates his love. Verse 9, it goes on to say, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Those are things to rejoice about. Because every person on this planet, the same way that I said earlier, when we look at John 3.16, we look at these scriptures here, we know that God shows that every person on the planet can be made right with him. But the same holds true. Every single person on the planet, before they come to Jesus, is separated from God and they are on their way to experience the wrath of God. This is factual. This is, this, is, this is what the scripture teaches us. And yet God comes and does something great. He intercedes on our behalf, intercepts our wrath. He suffers in our place so we can have a right relationship with him. So we won't experience God's wrath. Here's what I want you to know. This is how great the love of God is. God, listen, God doesn't want anyone to suffer his wrath. Hear me? He doesn't desire. That's what his love communicates that. He he died. And the scripture tells us that he doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked. Hello. The scripture says that he desires that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that shows me that God in in, in his will, in his heart, he doesn't will that anyone experience his wrath. The cross shows us this is true. And so because of what Christ has done, we, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, when we were sinners, we were reconciled to God. We were brought back into a relationship to God, with God, through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Because Jesus lives, you live Because Jesus lives, I live. The the life that I have is not because of my goodness, but it's because of his goodness. In verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Hallelujah. No longer are we enemies. No longer are we separated enemies of God. No longer are we under the banner. Listen, if you have made a, made a commitment to Jesus Christ, no longer are you hanging under the banner of a sinner. Are you here? Come on now. No, 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 no longer. Now listen, if you have not made a commitment to Jesus Christ, if you are not walking with him, then you are a, a sinner. You are an enemy of God. You are not in a relationship. I don't care how spiritual you might be. Hello. I don't care how good you might feel about the good stuff you do. You are, if you are not in a relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ, you are separated from him. But something beautiful happens. When we come to him and he reconciles us, brings us into a relationship, we go from being sinners to now being sons and daughters. We go from being sinners and enemies to now being friends to now being those ones who are loved by God. And so why? Why? Why, 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 why do we want to live for his glory? Because of what he did. Why do we want to obey him? Because of what he did. Why do we want to serve him? Because of what he did. Are we trying to earn our way to heaven? No, you can't do that. He did that for you already. That's why you live for his glory. That's why you live for his honor. See, the gospel of hope reveals the magnitude of God's love. Jesus died for his enemies, God-haters. And this sacrificial act, listen, it places his love in a different category. See, that's what motivates us. That's what moves us is this love that is beyond anything that we would ever know. And so, as we talked about our soul dancing, I thought about God's love song to us. And it's this. I died for you. I justified you. I made peace with you. I reconciled you now. Rejoice in hope because I love you. Hear those words. I died for you. I justified you. I made peace with you. I reconciled you now. Rejoice in hope because I love you. Those are his words. That's his love song to his kids that he died for us, he justified us, he reconciled us, he made peace with us, now we rejoice and hope because he loves us. So let me give you some practical things to handle or to hold on, some handles to, to, to use in this year. How can you ensure that God's love floods your heart? How can you ensure God's love floods your heart? Three things really quickly. First of all, meditate upon his word meditate upon his word especially especially the gospel implications or the indicatives listen nowhere nowhere are we commanded to read his word in the sense of us reading it by ourselves we are called to read God's word publicly just like we do here but when it comes to us personally we should be meditating on God's word thinking about God's word, rehearsing God's word, allowing God's word to renew our hearts. So if you want this to be a year that God's love is flooding your heart more than anything else, meditate upon his word, especially the gospel implications. Again, I invite you to join the two-year reading plan so we can be together, we can be growing together in God's word as you're reading through God's word. This is the beauty of God's word. I don't want you to just focus on one thing or another thing, but I want us to walk through God's word and see what God is saying to us. And in that, you're going to see those beautiful pictures, like I said. You'll see the tapestry of God's love woven into all of Scripture. And then you pause and you rejoice. You pause and you reflect. You pause and you meditate upon those things. Now, here's the thing that you have to understand. In order to meditate, it costs time. You can't meditate in two minutes. I'm just saying. All right, I got two minutes. All right, Lord, we're going to go through this, and that's what we're going to do. And then I'm done. I'm sorry. Your heart, my heart, will not be flooded with a two-minute devotional a day. Now, listen, if you have no devo, if you have no time that you spend with God, start with two minutes. Amen. But move quickly to three minutes, and then to four, and then to five, and let's get to 30 as quickly as we can, okay? I'm just saying, you got to have at least, you got to have some quality time, but it also takes some quantity. I'm just saying. The second thing, the first one is to meditate on these things. Meditate on God's word. The second one is to memorize. Hallelujah. Took it to another level now. For Some of my older folks in the room, they're like, Bishop, I can't memorize anything. Hello. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Now listen. Memorize gospel implications. So let me give you, let, 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 let me, let me give you something to memorize. Memorize Romans 5, 1 through 11. So it's eleven verses. If you, if you just did one a month, you would have a month to rest. Hello, I didn't, I, I'm just saying. Memorize mem- memorize it. Go through. It. You could do one a week. Trust me. You could do one verse a day if you really put your mind to it. But 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 I'm not going to stress you out again. Start you know start start small. Just commit. Mem- but listen, don't just m- memorize Romans five, like I told you. Man, go through Romans one through eleven. Look at those scriptures. Meditate on them. Memorize those parts that really just hit you. Romans five is just—I mean, it's amazing. Keep reading through Romans five. As a matter of fact, memorize gospel implications. And then the third—and the third one—and this one, this one is, man, I can't—I can't tell you how important this one is. It is to worship God biblically, frequently, deeply, and thoughtfully. Listen, worship is not just singing songs emotively. It's not just getting excited about the song because I like the beat or because I, the harmonies are on point or, or because that's my song. It's No, no, no. Worship has to be biblical. In other words, when we, when, we, when we pick songs, we do our best to make sure that those songs, we could pull them out of the Bible and we could run them through the Scriptures. That We want to make sure that, that what we're singing aligns with Scripture. And listen, there's a lot of songs that make you feel good, but they're not necessarily good. So again, worship biblically, think is this is this song, are these words aligning? And when I say worship, worship God biblically, I mean alone, but I also mean with the body of Christ. Because we're supposed to, according to the scriptures, we're supposed to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs one to another. We're supposed to sanctify the Lord in our heart. We're supposed to encourage each other's faith. So remember this. When you're in congregational singing, it ain't about you whether you like to sing or not. Someone else needs to be encouraged by the words coming out of your mouth. Hello. I mean, seriously. It's not about making the music ministry feel good. Hey, you're clapping along. That's not it. Hello. It's, a, it's not about making people feel like, oh, you know, no, 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 it's not about, it's, it's about you participating in something that is biblical. So again, worship God biblically, worship him frequently, as often as you can. Fill your heart, fill your mind with biblical worship. Worship him deeply. Think deeply. Again, this is not just for the congregation, because we may sing together for 20 minutes, we may sing together for an hour. It, whatever happens, happens. But here's the thing, you need to worship him deeply. And sometimes that has nothing to do with song. That's simply you sitting down as you're meditating on the truth of God's word, as you're memorizing the truth of God's word, you are worshiping him in your heart and in your soul, thanking him for who he is and thanking him for what he said. And you want to worship him thoughtfully. Don't disconnect your mind from worship. Come on now. Think about the words you're saying. Let those words penetrate your heart. Let those words flood your soul so that way you walk in the strength of the Lord, which is the joy that he gives us. Amen? Amen. All right, my closing question for you is this. Is God's love flooding your heart? Is God's love flooding your heart? So again, I don't know where you're at with the Lord. I don't know if you have a relationship with God in this place. But listen, if you're not sure of where you stand in your relationship with God, today is the day that you can respond to God's love. Today is the day that you can respond to God's call of mercy and grace to you, saying, I love you. Come to me. Turn to me. Submit your heart to me. Put your faith in me. Today's the day you can do that. I don't know where you stand with the Lord. But if you don't have a relationship with God and you want to begin a relationship with him, right now is the opportunity for you to do that.